This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Painful hemorrhoids can make us say thanks to our loved ones that are unforgivable. Fuck you! You nothing! And you will never be anything. Never miserable, mediocre, nothing. Crowbar mastermind Kurt Weinstein understands your plight. I mean, we're kind of burly, kind of dudes, you know, kind of we're not trying to look pretty and fool anybody because we're not pretty. Weinstein's holistic hemorrhoid relief. Kirk will teach you how to sing from your colon so you can get rid of that pesky hemorrhoid fast. I feel like pretty good voice-wise today. This national ad tells you how it works. Sing for something, Betty? Relief, Mrs. Rollins. Hemorrhoids again. Pain, itch. Try this. Many folks tell me it temporarily relieves occasional pain and itch of hemorrhoidal tissues. Fast. Really works. Folks work. Even helps shrink swelling due to inflammation. I'll try it. Weinstein's holistic hemorrhoid relief. Um, just peaceful and, uh, happiness. The way your asshole should feel every day. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your host, Brandon Hahn and Petter Spych. And Jocelyn Sharp. Had to throw that in there. We can only use that intro a couple more times and then we're done. Listen, I've been in a lot of relationships where nobody knew I existed, so it's fine. I'm used to it. All right, Pete, kick it off. Petter Spych. (laughs) Metal Sucks Podcast, guys. I am Petter Spych. I'm always joined by... Brandon Hahn and, and Jocelyn Sharp, who's not in the intro yet. Next yeah. week. Next week you'll be in there. Yeah, whatever. Promise. Yeah, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I already got I already got the sounder from our man Dennis Huff. You're okay. good. Okay. You're good. I put your name first too. Okay. All right, oh, boo. Okay. Anyways. Wow, boo. You've already made it to boo level? No. Really? Boo boo. Boo boo. Dude, am I what are you? You're just making it out like I don't even exist anymore. You oh. fucking one show Kick in, it's boo-boo. Rocks. You, you, Fuck. You, you, Bye. Y'all. It used to be the boo. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> Bye. God, I, I hate it when people say that to me. I'm like, oh my I do God. it all the time. Fuck you. <laughs> this week, our interview is with Seder from Satyricon. Yeah. Er, Satir from Satyricon. New album, uh, Deep Called Upon Deep. And I said that right. Comes yep. out September 22nd. I've actually, they, they threw us a, an early copy. I've been listening to it. I fucking super dig it. You're going to listen to uh, two songs. Yeah, Jaws heard it too. Yeah. She, she's on that shit. She's living the records now. Yeah. Mm. That's what my boo She be living it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She don't just walk the walk. Yeah. Uh, that she pull out the walk's dick. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that didn't even make any sense. It made no <laughs> sense. I'm sorry. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Um, any? Oh, yeah. Play me. That, um. And then um, I just wanted to cover up. You just I, to cover that's me. one of my favorite things ever. It was me saying that. Yes. Shit. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so, uh, anyways, yeah, September 22nd, that album comes out, guys. Uh, we've been talking to uh, Satyricon here in a minute. So, don't worry about that. We got a, a couple of minutes to talk about the news uh, before we jump into that interview. And the main news story, I mean, we just talked about the decapitated stuff. That uh, was last week. Last week, you know, but that, that episode came out late. So, this is going to still be fresh for us all. And uh, I thought we came off very much like we weren't really taking sides. We were just kind of 
making jokes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Which is even worse. About such a universal topic. You know? <laughs> we weren't really taking sides. What we were doing is putting out the facts and how it looks bad for right, Decapitated. Yeah. Right. Um, because we don't know what happened. And but we, Decapitated themselves released a press release. They didn't release a press release saying, hey, we're not guilty. This isn't the case. Please wait off. You know, we were just kind of being the news people reporting that story. And, and, and we do not take sides right no. now. We're just saying like, hey, this looks bad for Decapitated. So right. uh, Nurgle from Behemoth, uh, you know, if you like our opening track, Slaves Shall Serve, it is from Behemoth. Uh, and uh, he, he did release a statement just, you know, saying, hey, guys, you know, uh, not really protecting Decapitated, but saying do not make judgments on these dudes. I know these dudes. They would not have done this. Let this play out. And if they did do this, they will own it. And they will go to court. So, and that's one thing that I think is very important is that if you make an error in life, even if it's a horrible error like rape and kidnapping, or like the Tim Lambisa situation when he paid, like pretty much said to an officer, "Kill my wife." How you need to plead guilty. Yeah. Move forward. Own it. Yeah. Be fucking apologetic. Don't waste people's time. Stuff like that. So I think Nurgle, he released a statement. Obviously, he's from Poland, just like the decapitated dudes, kind of stating that, like, look. There's no tolerance for rape or murder, but crazy things happen on tour and you have to wait for this out. Now, do you guys feel that he should be making statements at yes. that? Okay. Why, why, couldn't, why shouldn't he? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I definitely yeah, think, I think he should. He, uh, yeah, I, I think, think he should I think too. He I think, point. I think uh, if he knows these guys personally and has a relationship with these guys, like you said, and they're all from Poland, uh, that someone coming to, not their defense per se, but someone just kind of like blanketing how awful because like i said we talked about this last week yeah. it sounds horrendous well, for these dudes whenever you paint something with a broad brush mm-hmm. you know you're gonna end up looking like a dumb piece of shit and you eventually. let you let this fall to the court of public opinion right and, you know it's gonna generally be outrage over going well let's think about this her friend was like i'm leaving and she was like i'm gonna stay here and, so there's also that side of things and there's no way to report a story like that without it sounding Negative little, like, towards yeah. decapitated. There's yeah. no way. No There's way. There's no way because of uh, the facts that we're well, given because, as a press. And another thing, too, what what civilians that are not rock stars, that are not on tour, yeah. what they don't understand is, is, dude, there are people out there that are fanatics, and they do weird shit. I have... Uh, I, I work on a radio station here in Las Vegas. I work the afternoon shift. I've had somebody give me a painting that, like, this chick p- made me a painting, and then she masturbated and put her own vaginal jizz yeah. on the fucking painting, and then she gave it to me as a gift, not knowing what the fuck was going on. I look on the back of the painting, and then she tells me what she did. Didn't somebody write you a manifesto, how you were going to lead the masses? Yes, I had, I had that. I had that. So, and, this is, and my point is, I'm not saying I'm a rock star, but what happens, even on that, that level, level yeah. even on that small of a level, yeah. you will still inspire people to do weird shit. Yeah. Yes. You and know, and it's like... You don't know where people will get obsessed. And that's the thing. Yeah. And so if you were... If you were decapitated, you probably could not have found a person that has been in your situation that could come out and say, look, you know, the, the, the regular public doesn't understand what the fuck happens when you're on the tour bus. They yeah. don't understand how people can get yeah. when they are around you. You just don't get it, you know? And, that, and what happens is, like what Jocelyn was saying, the court of public opinions, well, nine times out of ten, 
You make your judgment based on how you would react in that situation, and you're not a fucking rock star. Well, the issue of this, too, is the lean of the press because we have so much massive information about the decapitated side of the story. We don't know shit about the other side of the story. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's going to sound like we're saying, you know, shit looks bad for them because we only know that part. Right. We and, don't really know anything about the other side of the story. And in a lot of cases, you know, that are involved with rape, I mean, it's it's it just like it's just perspective. Yeah. The truth is not exactly the truth. Yeah. And that's something that's. I know it sounds kind of harsh, but like, no, two people's perspectives on the same thing can be completely different. For example, I've seen guys get in fights. I've seen the fist fight. There's a clear winner. And one guy's like, no, I beat his ass. No, you lost. I was there. It's delusion. No, it's, but it's perspective. Yeah. No, I hit him a few times. I did good. That's how like, we just saw the fight last night. Like, I can, I can go off on how triple G got robbed, but it's perspective. Yeah. You know, from the other boxer standpoint, Canelo felt he won. The point is, is that like in any case like this, it's not black and white, like, Jimmy stabbed Sarah in the neck. Why did I use my lady's name? Yeah, wow. Jesus Christ. Is your, is your name Pete? Jimmy? No. Did you just change your name to Jimmy? Jimmy. Okay, Brandon stabbed Jocelyn in the okay. neck. That's more like right? it. Right? <laughs> he doesn't have a knife sharp enough. <laughs> Go ahead and try I'll a use flex. My, I'll a use flex. my dick. A flex. There is, Brandon. That sounded awful. I'll sharpen it up. That, that was sounded, sharpen it up. <laughs> you are so gross today. Get me a fucking, yeah, the last podcast. I, and, and you wonder why Jizz uh, paintings are coming your way yeah no shit yeah so so anyways that's black and white you guys (laughs) (laughs) you said that last week like three times fuck you it is a continual thing on his way out fuck you guys i can't help it i can't help it i inspire Gooch gets upset because Pete and I get along. I know. It's oh, I hate true. it. I, know. I hate <laughs> it. Oh, when I watch you guys, getting I don't like along. that you call him Gooch. I'll be honest yeah. with you because I, I, I call him Brandon. Yeah, you know, I hate when you guys. I hate watching my two friends get along because I'm just like, wait a minute now. What happens if they don't like me and then they form and now I'm the one out? I'm like, this sucks. That's exactly what's happening on this That's show. Exactly yeah. what's happening right now. <laughs> you yeah. can't do it. And in real life, <laughs> I can't call him Brandon. That sounds like an adult. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's he's Gooch. Anyway, so. <laughs> I can't call that him Gooch. That sounds like an adult. <laughs> I just feel like you guys just tossled my hair a no, little you're, bit. You're, hey, you're, buddy. I gave him a noogie and he yeah. said uncle. Yeah. yeah. You're right, though, because we have to be careful in this conversation. We're obviously going to... It's it's just... it's hard. You can't really form an opinion because you are And if a there. girl feels from her perspective she was raped... No, no. Dude, I say that about everything in life. If you're not there, you don't know shit. Yeah. And that's true. It's like... And we talk about that all the time. I'm like, people like armchair quarterbacks were yelling at the fucking TV. Like, if you've never been in an NFL game <laughs> right. as a yeah. quarterback, you don't know shit. Eating like, a 20 piece wing and please, Dr. Yeah, Pepper two yeah. liter. Please don't throw a beer at the wall because yeah. there was an interception. Like, yeah, calm the fuck down. Dude. Yeah, you've you thrown know? an interception on Madden, okay? <laughs> yeah. fucking trying to tell this guy that he's got 300-pound dudes chasing after him that you're going to be able to keep your composure? Get the fuck but as, out of as here. But as asinine as those two correlations are, that's what we do as the media sometimes. Yeah. When we see stories and we're like, no, we know they're rapists. People right. do that online. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. what Nurgle's trying to say here. Guys, you don't know shit. You're not there. You gotta let this play out. And we're impatient because we don't want to keep talking about this we just want to know if they raped well that's the thing like i remember when um because it's such an awful thing you want closure immediately immediately i don't want to think about it anymore. yeah well there yeah, was there was no. a recent story where a celebrity got off um from sexual assault and a friend of mine who leans very hard left he's just like what the fuck this and he names off all these other situations and he named off the stanford rapist that yeah. guy obviously should have went to jail but then he named off a bunch of other ones that were highly questionable no one else was there. No one saw it. You know, I mean, you're not, there was no text messages. There was no nothing. There was no real hard evidence on why they got off. Yeah. You're just, you're just going off of this chick's story. That's it. Well, see, that's why it goes I, wrong. And I am of the school as negative as it, it is. I am of the school. If the girl calls rape, investigate. 
believer investigate. I'm of that school because I do feel that's how it should be because I don't think you should be like this person's crazy. And then investigate. Now, and if your investigation finds nothing, you know, which it's hard to convict on rape if it's two people in a room, he said, she said, with nothing else going on. You know, it's hard to convince 12 people for sure. But regardless, the investigation needs to happen. And I think a lot of times people have, the investigation didn't happen. No, there was a serial rapist that, uh, I can't remember what it was. Anyways. East area rapist. There, there was a serial rapist who was took pictures of his victims or whatever and had this computer and he has all these was a captain crunch victims on was him. he polish <laughs> no no uh he was uh an ex-navy seal or something so he had like military training so he was like breaking into these women's houses and oh, doing all shit. this stuff this one girl comes forward before he's ever captured says she's raped she's telling the story she's at the police station there they told her in response to her saying that they're like if, if you sign this and you're lying, you're going to go to jail for a very long time. And she said, I recanted my story. And then later on when they caught him, they opened up his computer and there were pictures of her. Uh, and exactly. And that's what I mean. You need to just believe the victims and then okay, do an investigation. Not, not, here's the thing. Not it's always. Not, not necessarily believe no, guys, the victim. No, what, no, this is what I mean. It's a case-by-case case basis. But you've got to understand, understand yeah, something. It's not believe no, them. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's where I disagree ahead, with you, though. Because if you just go ahead and... Say, all right, we're going to give the victim the benefit of the doubt every time. Well, no matter what, if, if a guy has a finger pointed at him, even if he did nothing wrong, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. There are still people out there that will always believe the woman. I agree just, with you, but what Pete's saying is that you need to open your mind to the fact you're that right it's a possibility. Yes. It's not be giving her the benefit of the doubt. Right. It's saying, okay, well, you're saying this. Let me look into well, it. Well, what those cops did was way fucked up. It happens no, all no, the time. But that's that's true. No, here, the thing with the cops did, and like I said, perspective. That's the girl's perspective of how the cops were, what they probably were saying in a lot of cases is like, look, if this is a false report, you will go to jail. No, they showed it. On the- no, I'm sure they showed it, but in, in different situations. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they, they really went, they're like, you, are, yeah, you, if you're lying, you filthy she whore. Got That's two, what they she wrote. got $2 million because the cop went on the stand and was like, yeah, we messed up. Okay, yeah. so, but the, <laughs> yeah. the point was, and like I said. Yeah, the cop didn't have that. to write, you know, if you lie to us, you skank. You know, he didn't have to write that, but he did for some stupid reason. And, and there's many people even that I know and that you guys probably know that have been gone to jail for things that were not fair okay no well i mean i but then again i have i don't know friends. anyone who went to I mean, jail Pete, for you're, <laughs> Pete, you're my best friend and look how boring you are but uh now jocelyn on the other hand way more yeah i could definitely of, go to jail yeah, yeah that no. could definitely happen. way more capable of jail than you but uh, uh but there's i'm talking about it, it, like for the randy Bly situation lamb of god with it where he was put in jail for really no reason in czech republic for example when 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 he did that, like, that's the kind of stuff I mean, like there are situations where like people are going to jail and the the newspaper in the Czech Republic or anywhere is like he killed this kid on stage and it, there's just no truth to it. It's a, it's a perspective. Yeah. And, and that's where people, it's hard to break the line. It's a case by case. A dude well, serves 15 years in American jails. He, he now runs a nonprofit helping speaking out about the death penalty because he was on death row. Yeah, no, no. DNA I, evidence exonerated him and he was still on death I, row. Well, I don't believe in the death penalty because simply, simply because, and I think an eye for an eye is a great rule, but if you got the wrong person, it just, doesn't work. Well, what if you then, do have the right person? Then, then, like I said, there's two little baby chipmunks out on the. F- Sorry. Oh my God. Way <laughs> to go. Sorry. Way to derail us, dude. <laughs> you know, actually, though, we need to talk about something a lot more funny because speaking of chipmunks, guys. <laughs> yeah, we got Chip and Dale that was over the here. Cutest thing I've ever the seen. The rescue oh rangers outside. Yeah, we got our rescue window. rangers. We got Monterey Jack flying. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. The fuck. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> we, we can we can segue from the chipmunks over to the next news story. <laughs> yeah. 
the Juggalo March happened on Washington. I mean, there's really there's really not much more we can really say on the situation. It's just, but but you know how it is. People how many see, how many bottles of Fago were left? How many right, did they yeah. have to clean up? Oh no no, you're talking about he's, he's talking about the decapitated. I'm situation. just talking about. Oh. I'm just gonna wrap. I'm just gonna wrap it up on that. Look, we can go. We'll go on and on yeah, and on yeah. about it. But in the end, though, in the end, it we're, always comes we're down. We're speculating. To, we have yeah. no. We, we need to, more information, so we need to let this thing simmer. Yep. Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But but what I'm saying is though, and what the guy from Behemoth was saying is yeah. a lot of people don't. They just They're immediately just, go. Yeah. They go. We know what happened. No, yep. you don't. No, you don't. You read a fucking story and you jump to conclusions. That's how it is. And what he's saying is, don't jump to conclusions. You fucking lemmings. That's basically what it is. Now chipmunks. Chipmunks. Bang. And so the uh, the Juggalo March did occur on Washington D.C. Uh, yesterday, I believe it was, and uh, I believe it was supposed to be like a, a million man march type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was also there was a Trump rally going on as well. Um, and so the, did num- the Trump ralliers. Like, cause we, a, was there, a, is there a Venn diagram crossover? You think? No, it was a competing, it was a pro Trump rally, but the way it was being sold was like not a Trump rally. It was just kind of being sold as like an, almost like a protest of like just everything that's going on with Trump people showing that they're not like, you know, Oh, so in other words, evil, so, I guess. like I voted for Trump, but I'm not okay with this is yes. what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, exactly so, like I'm not, I'm not a white supremacist, even though I voted for Trump. I just, love that's that. not what they said, but that's the kind of output. That's that what I'm it is. Thinking. Like if yeah. you're, it, it, it's gotten so bad, it's gotten so bad for like some of these Trump supporters that like when they do go to rallies, they have to hold up signs. They're like, I'm not a Nazi, but I love Trump. It's like, they have to <laughs> I was say in the backseat of a car with my friend and we were talking about <laughs> politics. Like there was four of us in a car and my friend was sitting next to me and, uh, somebody was like, uh, said something about Trump and, and hit this look on his face. I said, did you vote for Trump? I whispered. And he goes, yeah, you should tone down. <laughs> <laughs> and these people are having a rally right now. Yeah. <laughs> so only a couple hundred people showed up for the pro Trump rally. Not a lot, not a big outcome. So usually, and then for the juggle rally, it was uh, about 1500, which I got to tell you, I was a little bit, uh, I think that's a little underwhelming. How do you guys feel? Well, there's a lot of people, but well, okay, here's the really, deal. Not for like, not a, really, like and there, there's gotta be way more than 1500 juggalos on, on there that is. Coast. Yes. I would imagine there's more than 1500 juggalos, but at the same time, Time, like you got to look at it this way it when is you, hard to you, walk in jinko jeans so maybe that was the issue very true, maybe they tripped very true. On the way. yeah maybe they tripped over their <laughs> suspenders they tri- that they have <laughs> hanging over between their fucking legs their cold chamber pants stupid asses. maybe they had to stop to shop sharpen their hatchets and they just missed it well what it is is like this is the one thing this is why it's bad they call it the million what is it the million juggalo march i don't know if they called it that that's something i said because i always think of the million man march that's the right. march on washington that mattered Okay, yeah, they so, just called it the Juggalos March yeah. on Washington. Oh, I don't want, I don't want to say it was a million Juggalo March, oh. but I'm just saying like that's See, because I thought I th- if that was initially their name and then 1,500 Juggalos show up, you're just like, wow, we really fucked up. What's what I mean, what would be a good march like number in your guys? OK, head? the March of the fuck ups. What? Oh, <laughs> that's what I would call it. Oh, um, what would be a good one? I mean, it would I think like 10,000 people or something like that, I think is very impressive. Now, 1,500 is not like. But that, here's a, here's the one know, reason why I got to give them credit though. Fifteen hundred juggalos, you know, showing up, probably painting their face. Yeah, and, they, yeah, they painted their faces. They looked, they looked yeah. all, they, they represented know, the ICP. Yeah. So they yeah. went out there. Fifteen hundred of them went. Down, they actually probably a lot of a lot of them probably drove there from states all around. They've yeah. had twenty thousand people show up for the gathering of the juggalos. Well, that's like a that's like a whole three day event. I know, but then only fifteen hundred are like. 
well, only fifteen hundred probably can read. <laughs> Is you know, I mean, twisted just playing like, at yeah. the you know yeah. at the Capitol? That's what <laughs> I'm getting at. So I mean, it's like there's a, was Kitty the opening act yeah. at the Capitol? But I'm just saying, like you got a bunch of people that go to the that go to the gathering, and that's not every juggalo. If every juggalo went down there, you'd probably have a couple hundred thousand people because they do sell they do sell records. Yeah, and they sell movies. And they sell not only movies. they sell no, records, they sell movies. That's what I'm saying. That, that, and that's how I felt. I felt that there would be about like ten thousand people. There. But you know what though. They they probably looked at it like, look, are we going to be able to drink and smoke and yeah. huff paint? Wait, can I, can I, can I, can I huff some, uh, can I, can I have some, can I huff and, some canned air? But the, you know what I mean? the reason they're marching is because they feel they're not a gang. Okay. Okay. Which is, I think, I, a, I think a fair th- reason. I don't think they're a gang. They're not a gang. So, so they're, so a, group of mo- they're a group of, group of morons, not a gang though. Okay. A lot of gangsters are morons. But, but they're, they're not federally violent. classified as a gang. Yes. Is what they're protesting. That's, yeah, that's so what you have you have juggalos and MS13s in the same FBI ballpark, and that's that's what they're posting. So so they're they're at a good. Uh, I, I understand why they're marching. I'm I not just, saying they're wrong. I'm just I saying just don't feel try that, harder. I just don't yeah. feel it's going to do much. <laughs> yeah, try yeah. harder to smell better. <laughs> I think yeah. maybe it's probably because a lot of juggalos are. I've I've never met an in shape juggalo. Mm, it's very hard. Oh man, that's a, that's, that's a, a good one. That's a good one. That's a really that's yeah. Like I, I've seen. If I, anybody has a picture I'm of an in-shape juggalo, send it to Chelsea. Juggalo is full of yeah, calories. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying juggalos like I'm not saying like crazy wildly obese. Even though I've seen like crazy wild yeah. obese juggalos, I've seen I've seen opposite sides of the spectrum. I've seen crazy obese, and then I've seen like emaciated. Wild, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Dude. I've, I've never seen a guy that looks like cut like yeah. like Zach Efron. Yeah, like I have with to point a hatchet. Out, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like I have to go like, look, cool dreadlocks. But here's the thing, man. <laughs> There is no nutrients in meth. Stop it. You know what I mean? I'm telling you, it's the Fago. That shit's just sugar water. Now that we know Brandon's severe hate of juggalos out of the way, let's talk about Metal Blade's records. On October 6th, my friends, the Black Dahlia Murder returns with their latest album, Nightbringers. Featuring dynamic riffs that are both fresh and classic, the Black Dahlia Murder's Nightbringers is a collection of tracks that shifts through many moods and effortlessly incorporates various elements of extreme metal. Catch the band on tour this fall along with Suffocation, Decrepit Birth, Neckrot, and Warm Witch. Pre-order the album and get tour dates at MetalBlade.com slash TBDM. Once again, MetalBlade.com slash TBDM. And pre-order Nightbringers by the Black Dahlia Murder today. And with that, guys, it is time now for us to listen to Satira. From Satyricon, here is the interview. Hey everybody, this is Peter with Metal Sucks. I got Satir on the phone from Satyricon. Uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. Uh, there hasn't been that many interviews today, so I should be okay for the next second minutes or so. Awesome, man. Awesome. That means uh, my questions won't be so um, the same ones over and over again yet, right? <laughs> hope. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> so uh, the new record is called Deep, Cal- Deep Calleth Upon Deep. It comes out September 22nd worldwide. Um, out here in the States, it's on Napalm Records. Um, you and Frost have been together now for 25 years. Um, how have you two maintained this relationship for so long? Um. Well, I think uh, the mutual respect would be the most obvious thing that comes to my mind. Uh, and I think the fact that there's a incredibly strong friendship, but it's not a friendship based on uh, seeing each other on a regular basis. Uh, it is a um, professional relationship 
with a strong personal um, friendship that doesn't have to be nurtured in a social way. And I think that is um, a couple of things that, that seem to me as, as pretty obvious as, as to, you know, as to why we've been doing this for so long and so well together. I have a similar uh, friend, 20, almost 25 years. Uh, we work together. We do many things together. Uh, he's the co-host on the, on the podcast right now. And um, yeah. it, is, uh, it is such a strange thing for people that don't have a relationship <laughs> in that length. Um, when you talk to them and they have friends that are only like three, four years in, um, I almost feel like I can't explain the, the connection. It's, it's a weird yeah, thing. Yeah. Do you feel the same yeah. way? Cause with bands, yeah, you do yeah. see a different artist all the time, but Satyricon, Frost and you, you know, the whole way through. Yeah. So, yeah. um, it's, it's a success in its own right, you know, to, to, to make it that long. So, um, and with that knowledge, does does it uh, is it, it gets easier to maintain the friendship with age, or do you think it was it, it gets harder? Like the older we get, we seem to be less. Um, I don't know the word is. We're not looking for new friends. I guess at least I'm not. No. Yeah, right. We're we're kind of set. We got our people. We need our people. And with your working relationship and having the same thing, um, do you feel the same way about that? That you and Frosters is like, hey, we're 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 pretty much a marriage. Ain't nothing gonna break us up now. Well, I mean, uh, I certainly hope to be working uh, with him in some capacity, always. I mean, I really, um, um, I like his, I like his drumming. I like his uh, attitude towards music, and uh, I think he's a really interesting person. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean. Uh, I also like working with other people and people that I haven't worked with before and collaborating with other musicians make me a better one. So, um, But I would always want to do something with Frost uh, as long as I play music. That's great to hear, too. And so when you guys had the, you had the orchestra uh, with you guys, I think that was in 2015, right? A couple of years back? Uh, the choir, yeah. The, the choir, I'm so sorry. Now, when yeah. that element was brought in, um, did, I mean, did you have input or did you trust them fully to know what to do with the songs or were you like more of directing them and kind of the way you wanted them to, to come off? So I was working uh, with, um, a colleague of mine that, uh, is, um, well, he specializes basically in classical arrangements. Uh, and, um, so Typically, what I would do is I'd show him uh, where I'm at in terms of guitar parts uh, and uh, spar with him where he was going to you know try and turn this into a choral arrangement. Uh, and then during our rehearsals with the Royal Norwegian Opera Chorus, we um, you know as we went along, certain things just didn't work or they perhaps they were good but not what we needed for that particular part and then a lot of that was just the working this person being the choir maestro uh, a guy called um, David Maibon French German conductor and is a type of guy from the classical world that is not necessarily you know um, tied up and chain is very spontaneous uh free and creative type of person so 
you know, a lot of the time I would say like, look, I'm playing this on the guitar. What I agreed with him is that we would arrange for the choir to do this and that, but it just doesn't sound right because you know what I'm doing here is like this. And I mean, what do you think? And he said, ah, oh, I think I understand you, you know, go over to the piano and be like more like this is, this is what you need us to do. And say, so, yeah. And, and then 30 seconds later, we would try with, you know, like this 50 piece choir and, an awesome experience, not just from from uh, from uh, you know from an artist and a music fan point of view, but also on a more human level, the fact that uh, you know you do a project like this and uh, this, and you feel ten times smarter than when you started. <laughs> and that's what I was I was thinking too. I was like, because so you're so used to like just a couple people, and you have this huge production. Does that make you? Does that I guess motivate you to try something like really grand. I'm not saying this wasn't, but I'm saying like yeah. really grand, like yourself. Be like, let me try to to write an, a complete orchestra and 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 hear every single instrument and stuff and stuff like that. And yeah. it does uh, it make you want to like try that out or no? Uh, well, I haven't thought of something that advanced yet. But what I have talked about a lot with people around the band in the last couple of years is that. Playing unusual venues, um, working with new people, playing in places where most people don't play. Um, it just seems more interesting than ever. But I have to say that that isn't you. I remember even saying uh, back in uh, the early 2000s when we were doing Moonfogs, 10-year anniversary. Moonfog was my black metal record label back in the days. Uh, and when we were doing the 10-year anniversary with pretty much, you know, all the Moonfog artists at the time at the Rockefeller in Oslo, I remember talking about backstage that, you know, doing something like this, like an all-star event like we're doing tonight, feels a little bit more special than... A regular show I'd have to say and and I remember saying to the guys back then that I think it's important to do unusual things as often as you can in order to really enjoy yourself you know with what you do so that's one of the things we talked about in the aftermath of the opera show uh, what's next and uh, um, what we're pursuing right now is um, from a creative point that isn't as special, but I always wanted to do kind of a high riser rooftop kind of gig like uh, the Beatles did in in the late '60s in London. Nice. Um, so we're gonna play the album. Um, we're gonna there's a, like a new little uh, group of high risers down by the opera called barcode uh and uh gonna play on the rooftop of one of those high risers uh on the day the album is released and we're gonna play the entire record from a to c and uh i don't know it'll be um it'll spectacular. be uh, yeah that, it'll be spectacular i yeah. think so that, and, and that's great because I'll tell you right now, as an interview, when I interview people, I always feel like my questions are too ambitious. But like 
whenever I talk, like I was just talking to you about it, you're like, I'm like, maybe I'm not too ambitious. Maybe like the artist is always more ambitious because you guys get how much, how hard it is to put that together. And in my mind, I'm like, no, just do it because <laughs> so, I don't have to get to there. But uh, that sounds fantastic. So, um, and you're going to play the record in its entirety. So it's almost like an album release party, but it's going to be on yeah, top of yeah. a, a roof or I mean, yeah. that's going to be, and how high, I, I, I apologize if I missed it, but how high up is it? Like, I guess stories wise. I don't wise. know. Oh, you don't know? I don't know. I, by, by American standards, being <laughs> with what you have in New York and Chicago, uh-huh. um, it isn't that big. But, uh, you know, it isn't in, in the city of Oslo, uh, even like a small high riser is big because we don't have a tradition for. Uh, building high that's a you know a fairly new urban phenomena and um, buildings here aren't like that lots of old buildings so, so fairly low so any high riser in this environment seems like you know world trade center <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah but uh, no architecturally the barcode district is is really cool looking and um, uh it's right behind the new opera in Oslo. That's where they're currently building the new national library. And uh, they're currently building the new Monk Museum. Um, Monk made the, the cover of the new Satyricon album. Um, so it'll be, it's a part of town overlooking the Oslo Fjord where. Uh, where you already have a lot of arts and culture and there's more coming. So I think it's a really cool place for us to do a rooftop gig. That, that does sound excellent. Now, let me ask you this, because out here in, in, in the States, um, our arts districts are usually really run down areas. And then someone puts a lot of money into it, right? It used to be, I mean, as poor and bad as it can get. And then we uh, kind of kick the poor people out, sadly, and then we make it really beautiful. And then it's really expensive. Is that something that you guys experience out there in Oslo, or is that just kind of an American thing? No, you no, you have do that. that. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's called gentrification. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, um, if you go to Brooklyn ten years ago and then today, it is—it's virtually a different everything, right? So. That's that's uh. Eh, I was wondering about that. I'm glad to know. So one thing about Satyricon that I I love about you guys, and I always tell my friends, is that you guys are always you're on the you, you test the borders of the genre and you make new thing with each record i don't know what i'm going to get but i know it's going to be different right and uh the re- it's, so you almost reinvent your sound on every album um not completely but slowly everything's going to be a little bit different now to last 25 years in this business like you guys have do you think that's absolutely necessary or do you think people can put out kind of a very similar thing what audiences want and still stay relevant all the, all this time? Well, you know, it's a good question. Uh, and, uh, you know, listening to how you're phrasing it and, you know, think about uh, literally the word of the meaning relevant because, you know, ACDC has been going on for a, a really long time and, and they used to be one of my favorite bands and, uh, I still think like every, even the new record, there's always like one or two good songs. Uh, 
it's more or less the same all the time. And, uh, and I don't know, it works and it's, I, I think it's nice to listen to it because it's really good, but uh, is it relevant? See, I don't know. That's and you nailed it. I'll get the new ACDC and I'll listen to it for seven days, but then I put it on a shelf because <laughs> it doesn't challenge me, right? It doesn't challenge me, so I'm always going to reach for hits if it's not something completely new. Of course, you revisit it like on a whim, but the records that challenge you and leave you with like I might have missed something, you know, like your self-titled. I felt that way about you know. Um, hey, let me check this out again, and you. And you and I did miss stuff. I'm like, no, I missed that. And okay, so, so it's almost like a new listen. I think a lot of uh, the the black metal, even you know, uh, I want to say like, you know, the black and roll style that's going on right now. I think a lot of the, the 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 borders have been broken. You guys, bands like Enslaved, a lot of bands have taken it to a different way. That now almost everything's open. Um, and there's people that obviously aren't open to that, but that's what makes it so interesting for the listener. You know, for someone like me, and is ACDC is ACDC relevant when they're on tour? I mean, I just saw him, I saw him on one of the last shows with Brian Johnson, and I'm telling you right now, it's an experience I'll never forget. You know, but yeah. I'm talking about on the CD now. That there, there is a conversation. I don't know. I don't know. You're right. You know, and I mean, when a lot of people sh- show up, apparently it's relevant, but uh, it's also, you know, these are like big and you know, open questions because I think uh, most lovers of uh, uh, more um, uh, marginalized art and like really underground stuff will argue that um, art uh, is not a necessity. In you know, like um, fresh air and water that we can drink and food and medicine. Those are those are things that we can't do without, but we can do without art. But, you know, then a lot of people is going to argue, like, what kind of life would that be? Yes. It would be. And it's also interesting how, yeah. So it's also interesting how people, you know, especially in, in hard times, it, they turn to art, uh, and um, so if no one is trying to um, do anything interesting and move things forward, uh, then what is there for us to enjoy? That's that's the way I see. It. Yeah, no, I agree with you. With you know, when when you're alone and, and you have an emotion you can't express, art, nature, these things bring you peace because there's a voice out there that can't talk back. And that's the thing. And then I can only listen, but it brings you peace. And without that, mm. I mean, wouldn't we be robotic almost? You know, it'd be sad. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't we just be like a, you know, I don't know, a, a click button? And I mean, to think of humanity that way or music or anything would be, uh, I don't know. It seems like it's possible. So it's kind of sad. I don't know. <laughs> so um, the last record uh, you guys did, like I said, the self-titled, it did debut number one in your, in, in, on the charts in Norway. Now, does that kind of commercial pressure uh, do anything for you personally, or you're just like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing? Um, the only thing important to me about it was that I know that um, when it comes to you know some of these commercial mechanisms, there's just you know uh, some outlets there. 
that uh, are not going to even consider making what we do available. And when you hit number one like that, they kind of have to, you know, uh, yeah. whether they whether they think this or that. So that's uh, that's uh, there's a mechanism that I obviously appreciate with it. Uh, other than that, um, mm, from a mm, you know metal fan point of view, it feels good to know that uh, uh, there are a lot of people out there like me who like music like that and rather have that dominate the airwaves and whatnot as opposed to um, boring commercial pop music, R&B, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, and, um, but, um, you know, I... I still don't have a mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Few do in, in black metal, right? Wait, do any? Few do in black metal. <laughs> and, uh, well, I guess the closest way I've ever come uh, would be um, black metal related genres. I think the singer, didn't it, wasn't it the singer in Cradle of Filth that had a mansion or something like that? Yeah, I, he's yeah. he's up there for sure. For sure. Um I, I can think maybe you know Nurgle is up there. I'm thinking there's there's a few, but you guys are right there. I'm not, you know not that far, so uh, <laughs> not maybe not mansion, but you know comfortable living in black metal is a huge success. There you go. There you go. So uh, not to change the topic too much, but I'd love to hear an update. A couple of years ago, you uh, you did discover that you had a brain tumor. Um, it was benign, thankfully. Yeah. But yeah. um. Ha- um how has this diagnosis just changed your life it, it, or did it just kind of, were you very um, just patient about it? Did it make you do anything differently going forward? Um, well, it's the, the lack of pred- predictability is kind of interesting because um, I know I, today I had a sort of a pre-appointment conversation with my with my doctor on the phone and I told him that um, the reason I'm going to see him is because in the last couple I'm okay today but in the last couple of days I've been in terrible shape and um, I said to him it's funny because I've been doing so much press lately and I've said to them all that thanks for asking I'm doing really good uh, haven't felt bad in a long, long time. And, uh, obviously, you know, I have to look after myself and, and keep, uh, track of this and all of that, uh, and be making sure that I'm being monitored uh, the way I, I'm supposed to, but, but, uh, but I'm fine. And then, you know, I think pretty much as I did my last interview, uh, a few days ago, I started feeling really, really bad, and that whole night and the following day was awful. And I remember emailing with uh, the guys and saying, uh, "Okay, I'm better now. I don't think I'll be coming at rehearsals tomorrow either, but uh, I'm okay." And um, and they wrote me back, and you know, I was just saying that that uh, that's the that's the weird part of being around me because I am, you know, as strong as I always have been. And I, 
I really live a normal life. You know, I, I look after Satyricon. I have my wine production uh, business on the side that is fun. I have two sons and, you know, uh, a lot of stuff to look after. And I'm doing all of it. But sometimes just out of the blue, uh, this stuff can make me really, really sick. And when it does, it kind of, it's not uncomfortable. It takes over the entire situation it paralyzes me uh, so that's uh, maybe one can say that that is tougher mentally than physically to deal with that yeah no i can imagine because so do you feel that maybe stress or you know a lot more work uh, all that stuff can can make it harder uh, on you or is it just you can't really tell when well that's that's something that uh uh, uh, I discuss with the medical team and, uh, you know, with what they usually, you know, what a neurosurgeon is going to answer is, is they'll say that things like, well, you know, I have a lot of patients saying that and, uh, we trust our patients, but we cannot scientifically prove that, you know, it's research doesn't show that it's necessarily caused by that, but, you know. I do feel from a personal point of view is that when I've learned to adjust and try and live a normal life, but to slow down a little bit, then in general, I seem to doing much better than, than when I feel like I have no choice and just have to push hard, for example, to, let's say, finish the record or whatever. Um, I don't know. As I said, I most of the time I'm fine, but for example, I do... From time to time, I can have um, like a real shivering in my arm, and I find that the longer days that I work in the studio and and uh, um, you know the less sleep that I have and so on, I get more and more of this. And once it's, you know everything's starting to cool down a little bit, it starts to disappear. So, but I think this whole Everything in your in, in your body is connected to each other. So there's nothing that is an island of its own. It's all sort of tied together. And and your 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 uh, career, your life, um, it's not routine. You're gonna have different things all the time. So when totally. you, and when you write though, because I, I know a lot of artists, especially in in the darker type music. I mean, does anxiety, does fear, does uh, you know a timeline? Is that all part of creating for you is that what you're used to feeling when you are uh, making this music or is it is it a lot less than i than i than i would assume um strangely enough i think i mean it depends on really uh the the severity of the kind of message you're being uh uh, given by your doctor, but you know, um, but I think you know when um, when he approached me in my room and you know started talking. Oh, you know we got the scans coming back in, and I thought to myself, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? You know, yeah. uh, what does he mean by that? What kind of bullshit is this? And then a couple of days later, I started thinking to myself that. Okay, well, that that happened. 
uh, and uh, that's not going to go awake tomorrow morning. Uh, so uh, what are we going to do about this? You know, I started thinking like that. So, so no, I have not been angst-ridden or, you know, uh, sort of scared and tormented by this thing because I've had a very pragmatic approach to it. Uh, like thinking, okay, so this happened. What am I going to do? I need to surround myself with the best people. Um, I need to make sure that even when I feel embarrassed to keep pushing them for answers and, you know, pestering them on their off time, I'm just going to have to keep on doing it because there's a lot of stuff at stake here. So it doesn't matter to me, you know, if it's annoying to them, like for a week or so. For me, this is about my life. That's what I have to think all the time. So this type of pragmatic approach has made me very unafraid in this entire process. But what I have uh, thought about is that a, uh, you never know what's coming around the next corner. Uh, you really have to make sure that uh, everything that you do is really to the utmost of your capacity because... Um, it can be over tomorrow, uh, in a year, or in 15 years. You don't know. But that's, that's actually a great thing you just said, like your pragmatic approach of pestering and doing this because it's your life. I think a lot of people, their personalities don't have that, so they're scared, and that could, you know, if they're in a similar situation, you know, it could not work out for them. So that's the perfect approach that I think, or advice that you can give anybody that can kind of experience the same thing. Um, down the road so that's really that's really uh it's headstrong and it's cool to hear you know um, thank you you're welcome you're welcome um one thing i, I did want to mention because you know I, um so 25 years into your career you guys have a good following in a lot of places you know that so when it comes to touring um you have the luxury of picking where you know you have audiences um you're going in a south america run you guys are going to do a european run starting september 24th uh obviously you're going to play the uh, record release show on on the building too so all that stuff's happening in about a month and a half from when we're interviewing here and um so with that in mind do you specifically just go to locations that you know you're going to have an audience there or are you still of that mindset where you're like hey you know what i want to build an audience uh here or there mm, uh, a little bit of both mm. Uh, a little bit of both that so uh, if we just jump straight to North America if uh, if uh, didn't have uh, any of the uh, visa complications that we've had with frost then we would have been visiting America on a regular basis but we would have been visiting only um, cities where you can uh, expect um, to meet with a, a pretty serious extreme metal music following. So uh, that has been um, the hard part for me about touring America is that when you play places where there are actually a lot of fans, and I'm not talking about attendance, I'm talking about people who understand this type of music. Because you know, I enjoy meeting fans after the show um, who, you know, listen to the same music as I do and 
understand the same music. Uh, but I don't necessarily enjoy it if we play a show and uh, someone tells me, I uh, loved your show, man. That was some pretty cool shit or something like something That's, stupid like that. Yeah. But that makes me that makes me understand that okay, you don't get it. You yeah, know? That's a stock answer. You, they say that to yeah. uh, the person at the drive-through. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's not and, and and that makes that makes me feel stupid because that makes me feel like an entertainer, and I don't, you know, I acknowledge that playing live has. Uh, a big part of you know unlike making records it's much more about entertainment but i don't want it to be solely about entertainment there has to be some purpose here and and if they uh, um, so i don't want to play in oklahoma city to put it like that <laughs> <laughs> neither do i man. <laughs> i'm kidding i don't know <laughs> but uh no and i i think you nailed it because i remember some of the most uh, memorable shows I have. Like I remember I, I saw Refused, I want to say in 96 or 97. And I'm in Las Vegas, so it was out here. And uh, there was maybe 16 of us there, maybe 17. But every single one of us loved the band. And it was like every, it was virtually like hanging out with friends. And then yeah. sure enough, I mean, later, they everybody loves, you know, it was great. So it was like, we were all right. We we're all kind of good there. But, like, I'll never yeah. forget that show. And I personally think those guys were happy with that show, to, regardless of the turnout, because of, you know, how intense we went. Every song we screamed. Every time you gave them mic, Dennis, we, we yelled with them. It was great. But I've been a part of a crowd like that myself, too. It's fun to be at shows like that. Yeah. Really and, yeah. I, and you nailed it, right? And that's, and that's kind of more important to, for you to see that, because you know those 16 people are going to go tell every one of their friends. And the next time you come, there's going to be 60, you know. Um, but when you go there and it's just, and I've been there too, where everybody's arms are crossed and they're just kind of staring. I call it when, when they treat the, the headliner, like the opening act, that's what I say. Right. Yeah. Um, and you see that and you're like, they're never going to come back. <laughs> like, that's horrible. And I, and to me, it's not fair, especially when you're coming from as far as you guys are coming. Um, and, um, so I get it. I truly do. I think a lot of fans do too. So we just, and the scenes in the cities you're talking about out of the 50 states is probably six or seven of them, you know? People will hate me for saying that, by the way. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that. No, there's, there's 35. I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's, um, um, I mean, if, we, if we're going to, if we can get the, the, the stuff sorted for Frost, we're going to be uh, doing a tour in North America in uh, May, June. I, oh, that's that's exciting. Yeah. That's that's great news. Yeah. It's been yeah. since, if I'm not mistaken, has it been since 2006 or no? Weren't you guys out here? 2009. Nine. So you were here? Yeah. Oh, for Agent Nero? I, I, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. That's great. So, two times. Two times. So you know what? It's not that long. I mean, it seems yeah. long, I know, but it wasn't, it wasn't as long as I thought. So um, anyways, uh, just a couple more questions and, and I'll get out of your way. Um, the new record, I want to talk more about it. Deep Calleth Upon Deep. Um, it comes out September 22nd. Now, um, what, what um, like, expectations, like I said, we never know what's coming, but what new elements are your favorite on this record that you guys haven't tried before? Well, I mean... What I've learned from 
uh, working with people, uh, especially in, in, in classical music, is um, um, how much bigger the dynamical ranges in in their voices and instruments than than uh, uh, you know in our rock music, and that's just something that all of us really know, but but it's different to experience it, especially when it comes to voices. Um, so I used a lot of classical instruments on this record to try and do something about the depth of the tone, uh, to do something about the width of the sound, and to do something about the air, to give it more air. Um, but I was very, you know, it was very intentional that I didn't want any of these things to be loud. I wanted them to be subtle because I considered black metal to be like any other type of rock music, to be guitar driven, to, to be riff oriented. You know, pop music is the opposite, is vocal oriented, while metal music is riff oriented. And I... Uh, really wanted it to be, you know, about, to put it in a banal way, about the power of the riff. And I didn't want anything to get in the way of that or, or to cloud that in any shape or form. But I just wanted to enhance and strengthen what was already already there with, you know, a different type of, uh, what should I say, reverberation. Um, and, you know, I, we work with a lot of stuff. Uh, didn't necessarily use all of it, but uh, uh, had uh, cello, uh, mellotron, um, we had uh, violin, French horn, uh, clarinet, bass clarinet, bassoon, contra bassoon, um, even tried a couple of different flutes that we didn't end up using, but yeah, we did try that too. And, you know, when you hear me talk about it, it's like, oh, what did he do? Some sort of symphonic record. And anyone who's actually heard the record is going to tell you that, no, this is very much, you know, drums, guitar, bass, and vocals. But working with all of that other stuff has given this record a dimension of this, you know, this type of thing where you don't necessarily think about it, but if you would hit the mute button, you know, you're going to instantly react and think, what happened? Something changed. So, uh, and surely there's, you can hear more of the nuances and details when you listen to the album in headphones, but really all of that has given this album a really unique sound, but it's really working on your subconscious. It's, it's not in the forefront. Nice, man. So last question for you. Um, I want to thank you so much ahead of time for calling in. Um, just a Really excited to talk to you, man. You know, been years since I've been listening to your stuff. So, uh, this is just kind of an off the ball question, but um, I, whenever I see the black metal dudes, they're all serious. They're very like you know, there's just a certain kind of like seriousness to them. Um, so I was wondering, who is your favorite stand up comic? I want to I want to put together like a clip of, of all you dudes just laughing together somewhere. But uh, who is your favorite stand up comic? Who makes you laugh out loud? Uh, that's a difficult question, but I guess, you know, the, you're not allowed to say Andrew Dice Clay. You're not allowed to say him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, so to me, I guess, you know, uh, 
pretty much at the end of the days, it all in a way comes back to Monty Python. You know, ah, Very, yeah. I think that you know whether you watch comedy shows or stand-up comedians, and when you go back and see everything that they did. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, they're the Black Sabbath of comedy. That's where it all started, you know. Nice. Yes. Yes. I, I, I agree completely. And uh, that's, that's awesome. See, I didn't, I, wouldn't, I didn't see that coming, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I want to one more time promote this new record, guys. It's here, Cons. Uh, Deep Called Upon Deep is out September 22nd on Napalm Records, guys. Do not miss that. Uh, European store, uh, European tour starts September 24th, and they will be in South America. I believe it starts Halloween, right? In Mexico, yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween in Mexico, guys. So do not miss them on this tour. And uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed that uh, everything goes good with Frost and that stuff. And we see you guys May June out here in North America. So uh, I th- so. yes, let's fingers crossed for sure on that. And uh, so I want to thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Dark steel, brethren in the 
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Dice, right? Mm. Cool day, yep. As, I, I was really excited to talk to him. It was the him, exact man. opposite of Juggalos. <laughs> you and your hates. The songs we played <laughs> both off Deep Called Upon Deep coming out September 22nd, as you guys heard in the interview. First song was called To Your Brethren in the Dark, and the second song is the title track, Deep Call it the pond deep, guys. September twenty second. Don't miss out on that record. And uh, it's dope. If you, there's an instrument you can think of, it's on that album, dude. Yeah, I mean, like it was, every instrument. Yeah, they play the saw. Okay, that's not an instrument. No, it's not. Oh, no. They, they, <laughs> Juggalos play I've seen, saws. <laughs> I've seen people play the saw. They'll use like one of those. Uh, Sorry about the, bow, the bows from I'm the violin. I'm sorry. This album wasn't made in a Looney Tunes cartoon about Alabama. Well, uh, I'll tell you this. Did they use a bass that was uh, a turtle shell and a stick? I didn't no, think so. No. Asshole. Okay. Flintstones. <laughs> and that will do it for this week's episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast. I am Petra Spych. I'm Brandon on. Hello. And I'm Jocelyn Sharp. Until next week, my friends. See ya. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.